Welcome to the Dog Liaison Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. You're about to listen to a live coaching session in which I coach a dog guardian just like you through treating their dog's behavioral obstacle. These coaching sessions often go in unexpected paths. These guardians start off thinking their challenge is one thing, only to realize what they actually have to focus on is another. However, a guaranteed result of every single coaching session is the guardian walks away realizing just how much they already knew and feeling empowered to create and execute their dog's next training plan. So listen in as we troubleshoot and enjoy the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to this episode. Today we are talking about how to work through a dog's noise sensitivity if they live in a city. This is especially true if you just have a noise phobic dog. Uh, however, if you have a dog also that just has a lot of anxiety or a lot of stress, then this episode's gonna be helpful for you. We're gonna have our guest guardian, Carolyn, come in and she's gonna be sharing about her dog, uh, Chicken, and uh, we'll learn all about her and we will troubleshoot how to treat noise sensitivity. So let's welcome Carolyn in. Thank you so much. Hi there. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Good. So your dog's name is Chicken, which yes. I think is adorable. And I have to know, like, tell us the context on the name. Like, we need to know. <laughs> you know, we um, we just kind of liked it. We knew we wanted a blocky-headed dog. And we knew that blocky-headed dogs come with, like, scary impressions from other people so when we decided to get a dog of that type we we were thinking for something that immediately made people giggle and laugh and chicken certainly does so it absolutely does i love it so much (laughs) so introduce us to chicken you know we can get into like the logistics of the noise sensitivity in the city and everything Mm -hmm. in a second but kind of introduce chicken and how your life intertwines in the general sure so chicken is a four-year-old mixed breed blocky headed type dog Um, we've had her since she was about eight months old and she was born in fresno california which is definitely a lot more rural than where we live today and they shipped her up to the san francisco spca which is where we adopted her from she's just a pleasure she's the sweetest little dog i mean she's not little but she's the sweetest dog you'd ever meet and she loves her family, loves people when they're in her house. She is happier than when she meets them on the street. Um, and we very quickly discovered, so we got her June 25th and 4th of July was not that far after. So we very quickly discovered that she had a really strong noise phobia and we brought her to her first training class and kind of were called out for having a reactive dog, which we didn't even know what that was. And we tried everything that we could to prevent, I guess, like we thought we could prevent it, but you can't prevent reactivity. So we, you know, not without proper socialization, not in a dog that's past their socialization window. So now we live with her and try to support her to live her best possible life. We've been working with a veterinary behaviorist since she was about one and a half, something like that. We've actually gone through two different veterinary behaviorists, and now we have her more maximally medically managed. She lives a very sheltered life. I think she Mm -hmm. likes it that way in a lot of ways. Um, But certainly there are things that we would love to do with her that are too much for her, and that's okay. We had grand plans to have this dog that kind of went everywhere with us, and that's not who she is, but we love her regardless, and so we just try to 
figure out how to make her life as great as we can. Mm-hmm. Tell us, I know she's got a lot of obstacles to work through, but if you could <laughs> narrow down her, her top obstacle, or at least for the purposes of conversation, what would you like to focus on? Yeah, so I mean, she's got a lot going on. I think that the noise sensitivity is kind of like the overarching thing. The veterinary behaviorist diagnosed her with fear mm-hmm. and noise sensitivity. I personally, living with her, think it's more generalized anxiety because it's like to everything. And she definitely, you know, she shuts down, which is why I think she got that fear label more than the anxiety label. We live in a city, you know, we can't really. We have moved out of San Francisco. We've gotten to like a more suburban type of environment, um, but we probably won't move any more rural than where we are. And it's hard for her. You know, she hears things outside of our house. She hears dogs walking by. She hears cars, scooters. We live down the street from a, um, a lumber yard. So she hears those trucks like go by in the morning and their high-pitched beeping and so she kind of starts the day nervous and with behaviors that look like she's very much on edge she can have a difficult time settling down once she goes beyond her threshold so it does wind up that she doesn't really want to leave our house and that's fine to an extent but also not perfect Certainly, we'd love to be able to take her on more walks, but we try to follow her lead. So I think the sounds are the hardest thing because they're the hardest to control. I can pretty much control exposure to dogs by walking at random weird times. Same thing with scooters and bikes. You know, if you go early enough, those people are not on scooters and bikes. It's the overarching sounds that she hears that are more difficult. Okay. And... Uh, I know you're working with a veterinary behaviorist. Is she on any medication? Yes. You don't have to tell us, like, what medication or anything like that. You don't have to get into the details. But do you think that the medication is helping her noise sensitivity? Or we don't know for sure? I definitely think that it has helped her be able to deal with more. So Mm -hmm. we started on one medication. Then we added two additional shorter-acting medications in throughout the day. Our friends that see her, our family that sees her says, wow, she's so much better. And she is in a lot of ways, but she still struggles. Yeah, I think they help, but it's still not perfect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For you, what do you think your obstacle is? Or what's your question around how to help her? I think for me, the hardest thing is I can't control the sounds. So Mm -hmm. I've tried... DSCC, mm-hmm. I either can't split it fine enough or there's too much other chaos going on around her that I, I can't get rid of mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. it in a way that feels truly under threshold to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hardest thing. Like I get stuck. When you were doing desensitization, counter conditioning with the noise sensitivity, were you just doing it with any noise that would occur? Or like, what was the method, the practice? Like, how were you picking what noises? So I made a list for our veterinary behaviorist. And so as great as she was, they didn't like work me through the list. They were like, cool, like you have it. Now you know your homework. And I was like, great, like what do I do? Um, And so I tried a few different methodologies. I tried 
really saw, we took a class called uh, canine empowerment and it was like mm -hmm. lots of different scenarios that resulted in her pushing on things that might make a soft sound and if she mm -hmm. controlled the sound theoretically that was better and mm -hmm. in a lot of ways the things that we worked on in that environment did improve mm -hmm. I've also tried you know pattern games like okay you move closer to the thing that's nerve-wracking um, by playing you know a sound in the distance and doing like you know when you look at me okay we'll move one step closer and you'll treat and then if you look at me we'll move one step closer and if you take too long then we'll move back um, and then I've also tried just like the basic pairing that sound with something really rewarding like a licky mat or a snuffle mat or something calming but it yeah it's still I still feel like her threshold's higher but there's still a really severe threshold so what I was hearing was that a lot of a lot of those things were very contextualized so they were focusing more on like she was controlling the sound at the at the class or mm -hmm. like it's you were setting up like something formal where she has to look at you like there's a more like behavior centric thing with the sound how many of those sounds were like practical sounds that around the house you know around the house we just tried to manage everything so like we got soft closed hinges on all of the doors <laughs> we got soft closed hinges okay. on all of the cabinets it's still a problem if we drop something we have hardwood floors so anytime you drop a thing she's like oh my god you know runs to the other room and hides okay um so most of them were like we worked on plastic bags because she used to be terrified if you change the trash mm -hmm. that one improved a lot we worked on and that was at the house that was in the house mm -hmm. um i guess the other ones are more outside of the house like mm -hmm. fireworks car doors slamming mm -hmm. beeping so was the thought that if we're working on like in the class or if we're working on the sound outside then that would generalize to her naturally to her sensitivity on the inside of the house was that the thought i think it was that we're practicing with things that are not causing a reaction to try to get her under threshold to learn the game okay and what i'm hearing is that it helped improve those situations but overall her noise sensitivity is persistent yes yes okay what is an approach you haven't taken i don't know i mean i feel like i'm doing the classic thing so there's probably something that i don't know about that i could try mm -hmm. i yeah i all all of the resources that i've found everybody that i've talked to just points me right back to dscc mm -hmm. so that i guess well, maybe like enrichment based is probably something i haven't really tried like doing something enriching while a sound's happening it would be both right like you could it's it's never a matter of do you choose desensitization counter conditioning or enrichment it's always an and those those are principles that like you're right are everywhere like no matter what sentence you're writing if you need an apostrophe the apostrophe goes in the same place like it's just right. like a standard thing right like but depending on what the sentence is that apostrophe or what the word is that apostrophe can change how it behaves right right that's how i want you to think of like desensitization and counter conditioning which is like 
it is what it is. Like it's, you're right. That's how you use it. Right. Mm -hmm. But depending on what context you put it, it looks different or it behaves different or it feels different, right. Mm -hmm. It has a different output. So instead of thinking like, oh, it's not desensitization and counter conditioning, think it is this, that's true. That's science. That's like a matter of fact, right? Okay. And we need to be using it in a different way. Okay. So with that in mind, what is something you haven't tried yet? Like a method or a specific sound? Anything. So I think like one thing I've tried but has not been successful is taking the sounds that happen outside the house and trying to apply them to this framework because it seems like when I try it, she gets so triggered that then she has a terrible day. And even if I'm like playing a sound on incredibly low sound and I don't want her to suffer for training's sake, I don't, you know, it doesn't feel great to do it like that. Like I, it almost feels like I'm flooding her, but I can't think of how to make it any quieter <laughs> or how, how else to apply it. The resistance you're feeling right now, this challenge that you're feeling is good. It means you're getting somewhere. So just okay. like experience it. Okay. Nothing, nothing transformative is easy. So this <laughs> the resistance that you're experiencing tells you you're getting places. Okay. Uh, let's put it this way. If a lot of the training that you've been doing has been outside, Mm -hmm. And the training that you did do with the, with the trash bag that was inside was very effective. Yeah. What is something you could do more of? I could train it more indoors, but I okay. can't figure out how to get it quiet enough. Maybe it's not a matter of quiet or loud. Okay. What are other ways to control criteria? Duration, how long it goes on like the latency between, like, I'm thinking about like booms, right? You know, <laughs> latency between booms, how long the exposure is, how long we train for. Okay, good. When I, end, huh? when I end the session, like, yeah, maybe I, she, she's an incredibly fun, drivey dog. So she will push to train more than she probably should. But she's so fun to train. Like, you can't stop. You're like, oh, my God, you're so cute. I can't stop. Um, <laughs> so maybe just, like, ending sooner. Okay. Great. Excellent. You can end sooner. What else? Uh, I could also try to change the location. Like, we, we train a lot in our living room and kitchen. Our house is pretty small. Mm -hmm. But I do have a basement the basement is a lot obviously more insulated from sound because it's like underground. So maybe I could vary the location or even the time of day. Time of day. Perfect. Love that. What else? The setup. I took a class once and one of the things I took away that I really loved was like, it was an operant based class. So if you taught the operant behavior, then give the dog a snuffle mat for like five or 10 minutes while you set up for the next thing. Mm -hmm. I've never really tried that in relation to this. Like I could do one boom, keep it short, keep it sweet, snuffle, and see if she opts back in. Okay. So just like the flow of it. What else? What's another way of criteria? For her who's present, like not maybe having it not just be me and her, but even having her dad around. When we worked on the trash bags, we made it really fun 
and like a game and silly and goofy and he is a lot more silly and goofy than I am so maybe bringing him into the mix to just make it a little bit lighter because I think I don't intend to apply pressure but just I'm a lot more serious so that can naturally apply pressure unnecessarily or like unintentionally unnecessarily mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. love that love that and like what the else? food the food I use mm-hmm. or the, I should say the reinforcer I use which is yeah. mostly food beautiful what else like how much exercise she gets prior the type of enrichment around it perfect mm-hmm. what else how how many times in a week I do it you know okay how much rest she gets after. Okay. I'm not going to force rest on anybody, but rest Mm -hmm. is enrichment, right? So Mm -hmm. (laughs) like how much, even how much sleep she has had, she wears a whistle GPS. So it will Mm -hmm. tell me like, oh, she had a good night's sleep or she was up Mm -hmm. a bunch. So I could use that data to say, maybe this isn't the best day to train, even though you might, she might appear to be a little, frantic or drivey or wanting to do something like we can do something else and use that data just to not do it in that moment for sure for sure beautiful what else I could start with something that doesn't matter at all and just see if she's bought in and then move to something that is a little bit more intense and then like go back to like this the scale of it you know start easy do one hard rep and then back to easy and I could, I could like jackpot it too, mm-hmm. of just the scary thing. Although I don't want to be coercive with that, but like I could mm-hmm. use that to, as a barometer of how she's doing to see if she's sticking with it. Yep. So you've come up with one, two, three, four, ten and a half. Uh, 11 and a half 12 and a half do about 13 14 depending on how you look at it you formed the criteria here that stemmed simply out of thinking what if we start training inside the house (laughs) (laughs) what about so I heard you say like I could make the sound use boom we'll just call it whatever sound right you make the sound and then she goes and gets her little snuffle mat or whatever her toy the whatever right is that sound, that boom, coming in a context that is predictable to her, or is it in a context that is unpredictable to her? I guess it, like, I want to say that the game causes predictability, but I don't think that it does if I'm constantly switching what is happening in the game. So is predictability its own form of criteria? Yes. <laughs> and how important is that criteria? I think for her it's very important. Okay. So we got a 15th here, which is predictability, (laughs) predictability slash spontaneity, right? Mm -hmm. And we've established that those are pretty important criteria for you to be mindful of. Mm -hmm. So her being able to anticipate that the sound is about to occur, well, what do you think? Like uh, positively influence or negatively influence her behavioral outcome? I mean, my fear is that it makes her worry. Okay. I don't know if that's true. How will you find out? Watch her body language. Okay, keep going. Be more expansive on that idea. So if she is coming to the game enthusiastic and showing up, 
enthusiastic and opting opting in for her that looks like you know, she's a very stoic dog but there are moments when you like if I ask her do you want to go train and she you can just tell she's happy wiggly you know if she's showing up with that energy then that would mean that she's comfortable if I see that she like for her the first thing I notice is her brow gets really furrowed and her mm-hmm. mouth gets a little bit more tense if I see either of those then I've probably pushed her too much I always think of that as not being under threshold but I think for most dogs, that's probably like approaching threshold, but for her, she's just so sensitive. So those eyebrows furrowing are for her under or over threshold? I think she's like, like at her threshold. Mm-hmm. I usually try to back um, off after that. Can I identify some things that I heard you say there? Yes. So you said, my fear is, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. You said, I think a lot. <laughs> My impression is that you're running off of a hunch. Is that true? Yeah. And how solid of a hunch is it currently? Well, that's a good question. I think that I have that hunch because the moments that I've pushed her, like, okay, just do one more, even though you're showing those signs, are the moments when she then regresses. Mm -hmm. So I would say that it's probably a solid hunch. Based on that. Mm-hmm. Even when you said a solid hunch, you said, I would say it's a solid hunch. <laughs> so it's okay. It do- I, honestly, like, it doesn't matter. You can run off of a hunch. But what will make your intuition stronger? What does make intuition stronger? Data. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what do you need? I need to track it. Okay. So going back to um, knowing whether or not predicting her, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Her knowing predicting the sound versus not may influence her behavior in that if she can predict it, she may have uh, a worse behavioral response, right? Or a less desirable or more emotional response is your concern. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do we find that information? What do we need to do to get that information? I probably need to do a few setups and record them and watch them back and see if I missed something during the session, what I saw, and like write it all down. Okay, so what I'm hearing is you need to run experiments. And I love that you said several. That's great. We don't just operate out of an N of one, right? We're going to have run experiments, plural. We're going to record them like with a video and we're also going to then record the data like written Mm -hmm. and look for some trends here so once we identify is it better for us to train when the sound is predictable or is it better for us to sound or train when the sound is unpredictable to her once you have that information what's your next step to reevaluate my training plan and make a change if I need to make a change based on what the data shows or progress forward to the next step. If the data set shows everything's fine and she's participating and this and predictability is good, mm-hmm. then move forward to the next step in my training plan. And what is the next step? To vary one of the variables that we 
talked about. So either like duration of exposure, intensity, meaning like volume Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. distance from it or, you know, any of those variables that I said. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing is you're going to run experiments. You're going to get information on whether or not the predictability is influencing something. Then you're going to use that information to inform your next setup of a training plan. And your next training plan is not going to just add in the 15 different criteria that we talked about all at once. It's going to methodically include each criteria and, and break those criteria apart so that there's some control and gradually incorporate them in together. Is that true? Yeah. So this process of running experiments, getting information, solely including criteria, this process, are you doing this with every single sound that chicken hears? I haven't been. (laughs) Okay. So what is a better way than to just do it with every single sound? Hey, Doc Guardian, I know you're an auditory learner because you're listening to this podcast, but if you enjoy videos or reading as well, then I wanted to let you know I do have a YouTube channel with over 100 tutorials, deep dives, and science explained videos. Plus, I write a weekly blog that goes out to our guardians on my email newsletter. So if you are interested in videos or reading blogs, then the links to both of those are going to be in the description box of this episode. Check those out if you're interested. And now back to the episode. I don't know. I think I've mentally been keeping track of this stuff and I write like notes to my, I have a calendar on my desk, you know, one mm-hmm. of those big tabletop ones. And so I'll like write notes to myself when I notice something that like, wow, she did that. And that was really different, <laughs> big improvement for her. So I don't think I haven't been doing it so far, probably because I don't, it feels overwhelming to think about it in terms of every single sound. Mm-hmm. that's bothersome because there's a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what is better than doing it all, all of them at all at once? Just one at a time. Okay. So how are you going to pick which one to focus on? I mean, I really want to focus on fireworks, but I think that one's really hard. So that's not a good one to start with. Okay. So I should probably pick something that is somewhat troubling, but is not the most intense reaction that she has. Okay. What else? So you're going to pick something that is not as an intense of a sound, but still troubling, right? But not just like, not as bad as a firework. That's the first criteria. How else? That could, that narrows the pool down to probably like, I don't know, 50% of the sounds that she hears, right? Yeah. So you still have 50% of the sounds to desensitize. How are you going to narrow the pool down even more? I think I would probably rank them in terms of which ones are hardest for her and which ones are easiest for her work through that list from the easiest to the hardest so that we have a bunch of reps under our belt in this framework. Okay. What happens if the easiest ones, let's say, let's say you rank down your list and you have, I don't know, a list of 30 different sounds Mm -hmm. and you put them in a beautiful little order of like, this is the most intense sound to this is the least most intense sound, right? And you decide you're going to work your way up. What happens if this first sound all the way down here, or even the first three sounds that she has a minimal reaction to, but you can see that it's still troublesome. What are you going to do if those three only happen respectively once every two weeks or 
otherwise rarely. Yeah, I think I probably need to find a way to replicate them to okay. train. So either okay. make a recording of them or, you know, YouTube's a wonderful tool. There's all kinds of crazy sounds on YouTube and find a way to create it so that learning happens. Mm -hmm. So yes, you'll be getting more exposures to it, out, but it'll be outside of the context in which it's hard. Have you used faux sound before? I have. Sometimes they, they work, sometimes they, they don't. Are they a reliable training support system? Probably not. Okay. It depends on the sound, right? Like fireworks also cause vibration, and so she can feel that. I can't really mm -hmm. replicate the vibration piece. Mm -hmm. um, so let's, let's like talk more literally. So if you think about just off the top of your head, and I know you'll have to do more thinking on it later, but off the top of your head, what do you think are the one to three sounds that she's the least reactive to that you could start off training with? Such a tough one because I feel like all of them, the ones that she's having a, a lower reaction to, she hears maybe more of. Mm -hmm. Like if we drop something on the hardwood floor, that's mm -hmm. a low intensity sound, but we drop stuff all the time. <laughs> it can mm -hmm. be a little clumsy in our house. So yeah, I don't know how to, I don't know the answer to that. I don't, I don't know how to figure that out. So what I'm hearing is that, um, putting the order of this intensity of the sounds might be difficult for you. So you have two options from there. You could commit to that and you could say, I'm still going to find a way to put them in an order. Mm -hmm. If you choose that option, how would you go about doing that? I think I would try to sit down and like write them all out. So but when gonna... I've, I've done that before and I get really overwhelmed and then I get really sad that my dog is so stressed and anxious all the time and feeling so terrible. So what I'm hearing is in option A, if you have to sit and write a list of all of this, of the, and put in order the sensitivities in most sensitive to least sensitive, that you are going to pull that information from your head, mm -hmm. who would be a better resource to tell you? Chicken would. <laughs> okay. So how are we going to get chicken to tell us, Hey chicken, what's the order of most intense to least intense? I mean, it would be so lovely if I could just ask her, but that's not an mm -hmm. option. I think I have to probably sit back and observe her and observe her recovery period after she hears the sound to use that as a determination of how much it bothers her. Okay, so what I'm hearing is if we choose option A, and I have a second option coming for you, but if we choose option A and we decide we're going to put all from most intense sound reaction to least intense sound reaction, we're going to try to put them in an order so that we have kind of a roadmap on and what order to go through. Okay. Then we can't pull that information just out of the universe, out of thin air. We have to ask chicken. And in order to ask chicken, we would have to study her behavior. And we wouldn't be able to just study her behavior once each time. We'd have to get a lot of experiments, a lot of times, and it'd be a lot of studying her. And we could do it but it would be a lot of data collection, <laughs> right? Yeah. So then there's option two, which is that instead of simply going off of what is the least reactive to the most reactive, we could go about it a different way and think about 
as you said, frequency. So how frequently is the event occurring is in its own right, its own criteria. Mm -hmm. So we can narrow down the scope and we could start off with something that has a mild reaction. So it's still in that lower, you know, area, mm -hmm. but it's happening more frequently. Mm -hmm. And that gives us more reps, which you've identified would be helpful because the more reps you can get underneath your toolbox, mm -hmm. the more helpful it is later on when you get to those big booms like the fireworks. Yes. Mm -hmm. So now that I've kind of relayed it and I've reframed it for you, what's coming up? What's coming into your mind at the moment? I like that approach better. And I think that I could probably start with dog tags. Like the sound of dog tags is very triggering for her. But she, you know, we don't go on a touch. She doesn't wear dog tags. Her, well, she does. She just wears the silicone ones so she doesn't have to hear her own. So the frequency that she hears it is a lot less frequent than you would think given that she doesn't go on walks that much she goes on like one walk a day right now and we go at a weird time so it's you know you might see one or two dogs so it's fewer tags so like that's something that can have a, a wide range of reaction i would say mostly medium reaction given the context that we're in now if, if she were hearing it more it would probably be a much more severe reaction but so i think that's one that i could probably address okay you can start off with dog tags because that has a mild reaction it's happening frequently ish and it sounds like that would be happening on walks yeah okay is there a similar sound that you can also do inside the home that you can train inside the home that's like medium level frequency mm -hmm. there probably is I'm not sure what, but I'm, sh I'm sh confident that there is. So step three, find, find that sign. And that probably will just come through to you, like through observation in the mm -hmm. next couple of days, something will just happen and you'd be like, oh yeah, that sounds, yeah. that sounds. I also heard you say that like, uh, in the morning, there's some sort of truck sound that occurs that like sets her off. Is that an, is that happening every day? Yeah. So. I work in healthcare, so I leave really, really early in the morning. And when I happen to have to take her out, although we've now switched it so she can, she doesn't have to go on a walk right now, but um, like the delivery trucks, you know how they back up and they go beep, beep, beep. So she hears that. If you open the front door and she hears that, she's like, I'm not going out there. <laughs> so she could hear it every day. She definitely hears it every day through the, through the window. Mm -hmm. But that's like a barrier, you know, like a sound barrier for her. Mm -hmm. And we also have a white noise machine up against that window and we close the drapes. So, so the, the sound of the beeping truck from inside the house that she can hear through the window. And it sounds like you have some management layers in place with the, with the, uh, noise machine, right? Does that sound constitute a frequent enough event that has a mild enough reaction for chicken yes because when she hears it as long as the door is closed and she's not being asked to go outside she'll mm -hmm. like lay on the sofa and kind of orient towards it and she will get a little bit more forward in her posture and definitely look a little bit more tense in her eye and mouth mm -hmm. but 
if I ask her to look away, she could. Mm-hmm. Typically, I just say, here's cookies. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Just, you know, try to like get through it. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of just reframe what we've worked through in the last 40 minutes. Okay. Well, really 30 minutes because we were talking at first, but we went from, we've tried a lot of counter conditioning and desensitization to sounds in very structured, contextualized, outside of the house events mm-hmm. to maybe we should just be trying counter conditioning and desensitization to organic moments that happen inside the house as long as we're training them with intent and we anticipate that they're going to occur. So with that reframe, with that sort of like, it's not even a new strategy so much as it is shifting the strategy, right? Yeah. How is that fitting with you? It is, I think it's a, I think it's a good plan. And I'm just like, man, I'm going to have to have a lot of cookies in my pockets all the time, which is fine. Like that's, that's fine. I'm happy to carry cookies around. I mean, I do carry cookies around all the time. There will just be more of them. It's definitely different than anything I've tried. So mm-hmm. it would be worthwhile to, like, if we could make progress on it, it would be so life-changing for her and for us. So mm-hmm. I, I think it sounds great. I'm willing to try it. Good, good. I love to hear that. Yeah. So just to kind of, like, give the principle behind what you've talked about, I'm going to kind of give the less of, like, action steps, which is coming, but more of, like, the principles of what we talked about. We've talked about, we're going to start off with experiments. Mm -hmm. We're going to collect data based off of her behavior responses to the sounds. But we're not just like collecting data for every single sound she hears, for every single thing that occurs. Otherwise, we would end up with a list of 50 things and 50 different experiments, and it would just be chaos. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we're not just doing it for everything that occurs in the universe. We're going to narrow that scope to what seems to be hypothetically a good starting place, right? Mm -hmm. Things that based off of our own observations, she doesn't have an extreme reaction to, but she definitely is responding to them. And so they're a good place to start. We're going to run experiments based on those sounds. We're going to read her behavior. We're going to figure out whether or not predictability is important or is influencing her behavior. Once we find that out, we're going to, start our new training plan where it's happening more organically and we're using more fluent, like fluid sounds that are occurring. Mm -hmm. We're still going to do counter conditioning desensitization in that we're going to still create that positive association and make sure that it's occurring at a mild enough rate that it doesn't feel extreme or as you said, flooding her. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're going to gradually bring in the criteria. We listed about 15 different types of criteria. We're going to gradually bring in that criteria methodically as she's able to handle more difficulty. Mm -hmm. Hearing it kind of relayed back to you like that, how does that feel? It feels pretty good. I think I'm wondering, okay, so what's going through my mind is, okay, if I'm not doing it, like in the slow data collection phase, what is the right way to track it? Or is that less relevant than actually seeing the progress? Like may- maybe it is irrelevant. Maybe it's more about watching her than about having it written down and tracking it. Well, I want to clarify. It's not that you're not log. It's not that you're not tracking data. It's that you're not tracking data for every single sound you hear. Right. 
you would still be running experiments, writing down data, analyzing that data and solidifying things because you can continue going forward on a hunch. Mm -hmm. But what I was hearing was that you're ready for a shift. You're ready yeah. to try something new. And sometimes what we need to solidify our hunch is concrete data. So it is an and situation. I'm not saying like, I never want to imply that we're like only doing data or only doing intuition. Yeah. It's that the data influences our gut. <laughs> like right. the gut gets better when there is data, right? right? So you are still logging, but you're just more intentional about what you're logging. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you feel like if, if I like let you go right now, right? And you have the weekend to do some training. Do you feel like you could do things? Like you could, you have an action plan like you could go implement? Yes, but I'm still worried I'll do, I'll do it wrong. <laughs> Where's that worry coming from? Uh, I don't want to mess her up, you know? Like I, I keep her really sheltered because I don't want her to feel fear, feel pain, feel stress. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that so means that we, I feel it all <laughs> instead. And I want to validate that that's perfectly reasonable. Like, what I'm hearing is, like, when you have an anxious dog, when you have a dog on behavioral medications, has high noise sensitivity, has behavioral struggles, right? When you have a dog like that, you are also much more aware of, like, sort of setting off a domino effect, right? You do one thing, and it's like, oh, shoot, now they're all the dominoes are falling. Yeah. And all I did was flick one little one, right? Yeah. Um, and I heard you say that earlier, which is like sometimes she has such a reaction to one sound that it sets off the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. So it feels very fragile, right? Yes. And I just want to validate that like that's a perfectly reasonable experience that you have. Mm -hmm. So knowing that you are holding all of this stress, knowing that you are holding all of this worry, what are some things you can do? to help you feel more supported or help you feel more confident to step out? I can, what I, what I have done in the past is like talk to other dog parents that have shy babies and sometimes just having someone to say like, yeah, you can do it is super helpful. Or, um, I have one friend that I'm very close with and she and I bounce training ideas around or like, Hey, I tried this. What do you think? Oh, maybe you should look at it this way instead. So, you know, I can still come to her and talk about different things. And then like chicken's dad, like I can talk to, I can talk to him. About, I mean, he's, <laughs> I talk to him about it until I'm blue in the face most days. Um, but like we can take a team approach to it to try to, lessen the burden on one of us not that she's a burden but i think you get what i mean <laughs> just like the stress of it yeah is there anything else work with a coach okay that's available to you yeah mm -hmm. anything else i can reinforce myself <laughs> for it too good good and are you going to reinforce yourself intrinsically or extrinsically with chocolate <laughs> beautiful love that <laughs> Is there anything else you can do? Yeah, I think I can like give myself a little bit of a break too. That like I can't, I can't make her world perfect. It doesn't really matter how hard I try. She knows I try. So it's just like remind myself that it's more about 
like this feeling I have of her not feeling safe. Like she is safe. She is safe every day. She has a very safe place to live, a very loving, kind home that moves mountains for her. And some days that's enough. Beautiful. I just want to like recap what you just said there. Uh, we established that your worry, the domino effect is totally valid. Mm-hmm. And in order to support you through that, or not to, and, and not even to get you like where you're perfectly confident and now you're ready, but to a place where you feel more ready, you feel more confident, right? So you're not working fearlessly, but you're working with that fear, right? Mm-hmm. So the first is that you can reach out to a community is going to be twofold. You're taking a team effect or a team approach doing twofold. One, the emotional support, mm-hmm. the praise, the validation, the understanding of people who just like have that sympathy with you, who know what you're going through, right? Mm-hmm. And that team is also going to help you from a more tactful strategy. I heard you say you're going to brainstorm a little bit. They can give you ideas. They can say, oh, wait, make sure you consider X, Y, Z. So having a community team element is step one. Step two, you offered working with a coach that's available to you. Mm-hmm. And you kind of are already doing it. So, <laughs> yeah. um, step seven, you're going to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're doing that twofold as well. Number one, you're doing it with extrinsic reinforcement, which doubles mm-hmm. down on that conditioning, right? It really tells your body, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. We get chocolate out of it. We get chocolate <laughs> out of it, right? Yeah. That's number one. And number two, and I, I loved hearing you say this, is you're going to practice self-grace and you're going to remind that fear. And you're going to say, fear, I recognize that you're there. I recognize that you're valid, but also I am a human and chicken loves me and, and chicken loves me even though I'm a human, <laughs> right? And fear, like, thank you so much for being here. I see you. And also I'm going to practice self-grace as well, right? That is such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thought process. I love the diversity there. I love that it's team component. There's some relationship with chicken component. There's some internal work there. So, so, so beautiful. So my question for you, Carolyn, is what has been supportive about our conversation? I think like just having this space to figure it out with someone like, not pointing me towards one outcome, but like recognizing that there are many different outcomes that can come of this and many different ways to approach it makes me feel less limited. Um, And having you like reflect back at me in a different way allows me to see it, see what I'm saying, but differently. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. think those two things or three things, I guess, that I listed have been really helpful. I love that. And what did you learn about yourself and or chicken today? You know, I've done a lot of work on this in the past, and I have actually made, we have made progress. And sometimes I forget that. And she has like, she's so different than the one she, the dog she was three years ago. And I mean, she's much braver than I ever thought she would be. She does things that I never thought she'd be able to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's great. And so, like, recognizing that just because she struggles doesn't mean that she's stuck. 
love, love, love that. Can we get Carolyn some love in the comments? Throw some hearts up on the screen. Give her some love in the chat. Do you have any questions for me before we wrap up? No, just thank you. This was really helpful. I really appreciate it. Thanks for creating my absolute pleasure. It's my absolute pleasure. Please, please give us an update in a couple of weeks. And, you know, I'm not expecting that in a couple of weeks, all the noise phobias will be gone and like everything will be rainbows. Um, but hopefully you've worked through some of these preliminary sounds and we look mm-hmm. forward to that update. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right, my friend. We will talk very soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dog Liaison Podcast. If you did, it would help us tremendously if you subscribed to the show, left a review, and or shared with a friend. You can either post on your Instagram stories, make sure you tag me if you do, or send it directly through an email or a DM straight to a friend, letting them know, hey, this episode really made me think of you. Info on how to work with me and the Dog Liaison team is linked in the description box, or you can go to getacondog.com. We look forward to having you in the next episode. Until then, give your dog a treat for me and we'll talk soon.